Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. Do you have daddy issues? Would you like your sleeper to be awakened? Join Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch as we talk about Dune. So... I think what Dune really needed and what I was really looking forward to was um, what Peter Jackson did for Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. only for Dune. Right. And and I think that Villeneuve has more than delivered on that because I think he, he managed to, um, you know, like Tolkien, when he wrote of the Balrog, he didn't say what it looked like, but Jackson totally managed to, like, capture... What it was. And I think he was literally... Like, yeah, that's what I thought. He literally said shadow and flame. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, there's there's lots of interpretations or whatever, um, but he totally nailed it. And I think that that's what Villeneuve does for this. And, and that's the, sort of the, the joke there, I guess, is um, that makes Lynch's Dune the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings <laughs> oh, of... Of that's, Dune, that's totally um, which sad. is you know that's that's fine though. I mean, he was he was hamstrung. Part partly it was partly his own fault. He should have turned it down because he didn't have creative control. Yeah, you know, but in he a was... way that he should have. And even if he had the just he didn't have the the kind of array of tools at his disposal that Villeneuve has. He didn't have the budget to do no. what it needed to do. And Villeneuve does. And and that's what we're seeing. The fruits here are mm-hmm. that you really have something that people want to go see. I mean, right. it has has been like blowing up box office numbers because it's just a it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. You know, not just for the fans, but for anybody who wants to see like a spectacle. And we have been waiting for a long time. This is the COVID movie wait. Oh like, my we god. All like they were like, hey, we've cast you know Jason Momoa for Duncan Idaho, and we were like, oh my god, Dune is coming. When is Dune coming out? This yeah. is gonna be so amazing. Yeah. We were like, oh, it'll be out in five hundred years. Yeah, and we were like, like the Fremen, we were like, okay, okay, let's start. Hoarding we can water. do it. We can <laughs> hoard some water. We'll plant some like switchgrass. And it's finally great. here, and it's and and that was the big fear is that like what like what happens if it doesn't live up to my expectations, and they end up like not being able to do. It the did, second movie. It did also literally, I think it's in the can, actually. No, I think so, too. I think they did. Like Lord of the Rings, I think they, they did, did it, it that way, once. yeah. Um, but, I mean, you and I haven't been in a movie theater since before. I would not have gone for another movie. No. I mean, this was, this was literally what lured us out of our little mouse holes. Is yeah. it, I mean, like, I we were like, fuck like... it, I'll risk my life yeah. i guess no i would really rather just watch stuff on my tv at this point i mean I, it's not that i don't like movie theaters the experience of the movie theater i've just forgotten how big that the imax screen is yeah it's i mean <laughs> it's yeah. really big it's really big and it's really loud and i was super into it i'm glad we went to see it on the big i mean i'm totally happy to see it on our little screen at home but like we've seen it twice now we saw yeah. it in the theater and then kind of we came home and that night started watching it yeah. again on hbo <laughs> and i'm yeah. super excited that i get to do that actually yeah like, i'm gonna I watch think, it again after this just because i, I think that that's over like over and over again I mean, it's really good. I think that's kind of an ideal situation to be able to do both of those things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always nice to see the silver lining in the COVID cloud. But this, you know, yeah, we had to wait forever, but it was totally worth it. And they really downplayed the fact that this was going to be a two-parter. And it 
it's possible that they will screw it up and make it into a three-parter somehow. No, no, no. Are you it's sure? not it's not going to happen. Okay. No. I'm no, just no. Okay. So, before we start talking about Dune again, I just want to say I feel like this is like sort of gotten rid of some bad juju because the last movie that we saw in the theater before COVID ruined our lives was Sonic the fucking Hedgehog. Really? Yes. Huh. Literally that was the last movie we saw. I blocked that one out. Yeah. That's because it's bad juju. And yeah. and now we have like cleansed our cinematic palettes. Well, I just blocked it out, so my yeah. cinematic palette was already clean. <laughs> okay. So I think we're picking up, you know, do we have anything more to say about the Atreides and their, you know, you know, landing in Arrakis? Yes, I think that despite what, um, so the only thing I think that Villeneuve got right about Urquhart was the the row of palm trees and and Mm -hmm. what that represents and whatever. And nobody's outside, but he did like manage to convey the sense of heat that like anybody outside in that daylight heat is stupid. Um, but that shouldn't have happened anyway. The guy should be watering those palms in the middle of the night when the water won't just evaporate immediately. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever, whatever. I mean, he's proven a point, I guess. But I always s- s- figured that Eric Keen was more, um, you know, like a, you know, bustling town. That Like, yeah, maybe it'll shut down during the day, but it's like there's going to be people lining the streets and all this. I and definitely... You don't get a sense of that. You, you kind of see this kind of enclosed like maybe yeah. maybe inside the building it's like a mall of america kind of <laughs> which yeah. would make sense but that's something that he really drills into you is like so they, they land they they get into the into the keep and then they manually push these enormous thick shutters closed and they mm-hmm. and they're like we have to come inside now the heat of the day is um, dangerous mm-hmm. which you know it totally would be it's super hot there it's a desert and it's you know not safe to be out in that kind of heat. And so they have these really massive stone walls that they can mm-hmm. live in. I mean, they're basically, they've, they're man-made caves, you know, right. just like the, what the, the Fremen the are living in. yeah. But they're doing it in, in a way that it, they're living in literal caves under the ground because that's what the animals That would, would be do. cool, yeah. You know, that's, that's what, you know, how you live in harmony with your, with your world. You don't try to build a city. You, you go where the, the natural... Yeah. You know, city will let you live. Um, but Eric Keen definitely, I definitely saw something more like Middle Eastern, you know, where you have the, or or even Pueblo. I mean, I could totally yeah. see that as well. Just a, a sort of, you know, like the, the way you have sort of like buildings kind of on top of each other and and more people. Like, yeah. Eric Keen was very... Um, it was like it was... It was, it was empty. Yeah. It was like it was, it was um, built all at once as... Yeah, I mean, which I guess maybe that's what he was going for. It's a it's a refining no, I... town, right? It's an oil town, right? And that's no. all it's there for yeah. is to like is, is to box up the oil and ship it somewhere right. else. So like maybe yeah. maybe it's, that's why it's right. not pretty. It's one of those things where it's like I totally get it as a choice. I just think that it I mean, we actually we haven't seen a siege yet because we no. never made it to one. No, 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 we in haven't. This movie. But yeah, but, but I yeah. I like I wasn't into Arakeen. I thought that was kind of bad. Yeah. I mean the interiors were fine. It's just that like but the movie that's that's like so much about landscape like having a realistic city would have been nice. Nice. Yeah, it would have been nice because definitely like there's this contrast between the sort of inhuman desert um to have that contrast be even 
bigger between the inhuman desert and the in the warren of human habitation yeah would have been well i and think also, it could have been cooler that, like, as they're flying in he's like and there's the shield wall and i got the sense that he was talking about the literal man-made wall there mm-hmm. and i'm like that's not what the, the shield wall is the is the rock formation that is at the pole and that's the thing that's keeping okay. the sand out. Like, it's not man-made. I kind of got the impression, and I don't know how I got this impression, but I kind of got the impression that um, that Arakeen was, like, in a caldera or, like, a, a impact crater or something, which is why it had, a, had, had a, like, a natural fortification around it. Yeah. I mean, I, that was my sense of it, too, but... Okay. Yeah. Know, well, whatever. I, just, I think that... The, He's setting it up later to blow up that wall, that wall in particular, instead of right. like I think Lynch got that right, where it's like here's yeah. the shield wall, we're gonna blow through it, and now the sandworms can come in. Uh, yeah, I mean that you know for as fucked up as the Dune Lynch or the Lynch Dune is, I thought that that sequence was actually pretty well done. Yeah, well, With, I mean for the you know for what it was toys that they had at for, the time for the toys that they had at the ball. time. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, and so when when the the bad shit starts happening like so they get there the, you know the hunter seeker shows up duper how tenders his resignation and i think that that scene with the duke was like beautifully done I, yeah it was and, and again he managed to capture it like with nuance that i hadn't quite caught on to like i kind of saw the whole thing of the it was like a formality but it's like duper really feels bad about it and he's like i'm i'm a useless schmuck and he's like don't 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 try to get Lito. some sort of yeah, Leto was like, don't try to get some sort of absolution from me. Go find who tried to kill my son if you want absolution. Yeah. You know, and that's... Like, don't rob me of your shit right when I fucking need it. Yeah, so, like, that was really... I mean, it was really well, really well-executed scene. I yeah, mean, it was no, just, it, it was, was great. Like, you know? yeah, not using lines from the book, but being able to distill the scene to its essence. Yeah, I mean, and I remember, so, like, I'd seen the Lynch Dune. I'd read the books before that. So I mean, it made sense to me, um, but there was this there was this book that you that you could buy that maybe I need to go track down. I had a copy of it at one point, but maybe my brother stole it. I think me. we still have it. Do we the picture book? Yeah, the I one think that we has the, the illustrations in it. Yeah, because they are a lot of it is like hand. It's like you know paintings of mm-hmm. the various things in in Dune. And they're very different from the Lynch movie. And I always felt like they were more in line with what Herbert was doing. And I feel like Villeneuve saw that and kind of used that more as his template for what he wanted to do with the, the visuals in this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that like part of it is that like he skipped the part where Arakeen is a city and it's just sort of this big walled monstrosity. Yeah. It's very brutalist. Um, oh, yeah. It totally is. It's incredibly brutalist. I mean, there's a lot of stairs for yeah, some reason. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It's like brutalism <clears throat> plus, um, like, Aztec pyramids. Yeah. And, and you know, whatever. That's that's fine. That's it fine. didn't really resonate with me, though, because I kind of saw the, the, the keep as being more organic, more or, like adobe, you know, like made out of mud right. because Cause it doesn't rain there. That's what people live in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then... You know, they don't really spend much time, you know, with the Atreides on, on, uh, on Arrakis in Arakeen. That's, that's a very brief period. Yeah. Um, they're kind of there long enough to have Jessica have her interaction with the Shadow Mapes. 
And then... Leto kind of has his weird scene with Jessica where he's like... Yeah. You know, no, I, you know, I'm asking the Bene Gesserit, will you protect my son? Yeah. You know, which, which you get a sense that it's like, oh, right, she's a Bene Gesserit. Mm-hmm. Even though Jessica is the worst, worst Bene, Bene Gesserit, Gesserit of all universe. time. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, I kind of got a better sense from Villeneuve. He was trying to, like, reconcile this because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But, you know, I, I kind of got from the interaction between her and the Reverend Mother. Um, the Reverend Mother's like, you know, we you thought that you could have the Kwisatz Haderach. I mean, like, we've had a lot of potential candidates, and our plans are measured in centuries. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah. No, that's right. It doesn't matter whether Paul is the Kwisatz Haderach or not, because if he's not, they'll keep trying. I mean, they've got other op- options here. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll just, they'll keep working at it, because they aren't right. going to, like, they, they've got the long the long game here. Um, but then, you know, obviously, Jessica screwed it up in the way that you know people screw things up so it made a little more sense because people are people yeah well and she loved her duke you know so it's like yeah like he he made her less of an idiot which i think is 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 an accomplishment (laughs) (laughs) well but also i mean like because i feel like there's something really tragic about their relationship because like she knows even i mean they they definitely allude to it here in this version where you know the the reverend mother is like uh you know we've tried to prepare a way for you and paul but there's nothing we can do to help Lido. yeah um that is we can do has been done right and that's definitely in the book um where they're like (laughs) he's boned yeah there's no dad of the voice of the outer world no (laughs) <laughs> no, there like, is not. There's not a prophecy about the dad. No, that dude's fucked. So, so, and so she goes into this move knowing that that's what's coming. Like, yeah, well, and I mean, I think the penultimate scene in the book, in the in the movie, is when um, you know they show up in the desert and they're there with Stilgar and his tribe, and that's the moment of truth. Like, did the Bene Gesserit actually pave a way for them? Mm -hmm. And it turns out they paved a way for Paul, but maybe not Jessica, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, well, and then she's got to pave a way for herself, which which she does. does. So, good job, Jessica. But I do think that, like, the the way that Yui brought down the shields, you know, he's just, like, comes out of the dark and, like, shoots shoots the guys all quietly and then just basically turns the lights off. Um... I don't think it it really captured what had happened as as well, you know, because I think the house shields weren't a thing in no this that movie at no, all. no uh like yeah. they talk about it, but you don't see them the way you did in the Lynch Dune. I think that that's something that Lynch got right. Yeah, was that, I mean that was more what I pictured the house shields, but I, I kind of saw them as being these full things, you know. But what he did get right was the the way that that when the when the battle starts. I mean, and again with just oh just my god, gorgeous how so big beautiful. those ships were, yeah, and how when they attacked, you could see them attacking other big ships, and they had these these bombs that they would drop, and they'd hit the ship's shields and slow down, and then go through the shield and then explode. Oh my god, which and was the, awesome. And the fact, okay, another really beautiful part of this is that, like we were given like the exposition on how shields work when mm-hmm. when Duncan. Not Duncan, I'm sorry. Gurney and um, Paul have their like mood, like mood as for lovers and cattle, yeah. 
And they had when they, great, have, the, they did the shields beautifully. Yeah, they uh, show they show exactly how they work. The slow blade moves through. And they the show fe- it. They don't even really describe. They don't say it. No, they don't. Well, he does it one anyway. But and I really liked when like, we were watching it, and you were like, "This is like a non-Newtonian fluid," and I was like, "Oh my god, that's totally what it is!" Yeah. Ah. Well, and they showed it really well with the, with the, when they uh, Yui shoots the Duke in the back with the yeah. seeker. And he's trying to get at it while it's getting through his shield. And yeah. they, they had a scene with Duncan where they shoot it and, and it, it's burrowing through his, his shield and he just whacks it with his sword. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he's that much of a badass. But yeah. because it's behind the Duke, he, he can't, can't reach get it. it. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so they have this like expository scene early on and then they scale that bitch right up in the battle scene where yeah. you have. The building has a shield on it, and the bomb drops and then starts burrowing through. Oh, were they ships that were coming through? Yeah. Oh, fuck, that's even bigger than I thought. Yeah. I mean, that's what I really love about this, is it's like they start small, and then they scale and scale and scale. And he used used gravity so well. So these ships are hovering there, and like maybe they have support, maybe they don't, but then you find out when the bomb explodes, the thing crashes to the ground. Yeah. And you're like, oh... That was right. like that anti-gravity. Was, yeah. There was no gravity, and now there is gravity because right. it blew up. Or like whatever the fuck was making it hover there is, you know, <laughs> done blown up. Yeah, which was, I thought, a pretty neat mechanic that I hadn't really seen before. No. You know, you'll have these things floating there, and once they get disabled, they just fall to the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, I mean, the other thing I thought was really wonderful. I mean, I think that Villeneuve pretty much got consistently like other than the hunter seeker which i'm not excited about but it's still fine mm-hmm. i thought the technology was all really wonderful because yeah. like las guns oh my god those were so terrifying so terrifying because you see them first I've, at the battle I've and and they're, they're coming it. from above and duncan like takes off in a in a thopter and starts flying around and you can see the las gun and you realize I mean, it's it's a laser, right? But it's this deadly thing that all you have to do is wave it around. It's so much scarier than a machine gun. Oh my because god! Because it slices through everything. Everything. There's and and this is why you start realizing why people don't just hang out using them. Not just because they interact with shields badly, but because they're like the atomic weapon of handguns. Yeah, they really. Because, they're I mean, so awful. I mean, talk about mass murder. You yeah. Know? I mean, no. holy crap! Those holy things are shit. so scary. And they're real. He did them really well. Like the graphics on it, it's just this tiny little beam. Yeah, and I think it's all the and more. It ter- just melts it's right all the stone. more terrifying for that. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not showy. It it's just, not loud. It's just gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Oh, yeah, that was pretty freaky because that shows up later after they escape, where they're you know going through the thing, and then the last gun goes through the door, but it goes through everything else too. And yeah. They're like stuck on the other side of it because. You're not going to limbo with a las gun, you know. I mean, no. you're going to wait no. until it goes somewhere else, so that you can right. It's you're not going to run past it. Behind. You're not going to run past it because you're going to end up like. I mean, you just have to hope it's not going your direction. If they really thought they were on the other side of the door, what you do is you just like do a 180 degree, you know. At the, they at were the trying knees. to get through the door, though. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, if you wanted to use it as a weapon in that situation. Um, but I'm guessing they didn't because, yeah. oh my God, last guns are so Yeah, scary. they're so terrible. Oh, the other thing that I thought they did a really good job of is that, like, this is very, very clear in the book because it's really easy to make clear, but, like, because you're like, yeah, we had an overwhelming force. One of the, like, you know, 
the Atreides come in and they have certain expectations about like what is possible. Mm-hmm. And um, so they completely expect all kinds of sabotage. They expect shitty machinery. They expect even some fighters to come in. Yeah. Well, and you can see how they have their, all of their battle tactics are designed in a very like Roman way. Right. I mean, I even remarked at the time, I'm like, this is just like 300 where you've got the, the, the small force taking on a much bigger force. Right. um, But they've chosen the high ground. That's why they're advancing down the stairs. Down the stairs. High ground. You know, they, they're in formation. They are they are a better trained force to begin and with. And they're doing a good job they're, of it. Yeah, they're they're killing it, literally, you know, until, they, you know, the Sardaukar sort of do their suspensor jump, which was in the book. I mean, and I yeah. thought that was really well done, like, yeah. using suspensor jumps. You know, I don't know why more people don't do that. Right. I guess so, the Baron does. Yeah, so, so it was really wonderfully done where they, they, they show, because, I mean, I think it's really easy to be like, oh, they're just a bunch of dumbasses and that's why they lost. Yeah. But it's like, they show that these are well-trained disciplined fighters who are doing who are absolutely crushing it on a level playing field mm-hmm. turns out playing field wasn't level yeah they have. and then they get fucking pincer moved and because it's overwhelming forces yeah they were like, way outnumbered like in the book they describe it's something like 50 years of profits from arrakis is what the baron like Nobody expected the Baron to spend that much money. Yeah, because it would have been prohibitively expensive to have. Yeah, and they kind of allude to that at the beginning when the Duke is like, "Hey, Thufir, um, how much did it cost for the Emperor to send this herald here with all of these people?" Mm-hmm. And Thufir does his little eye roll and like comes up with this enormous amount of money. Solaris, you know, of, and it's yeah. like, and it's it's like so many orders of magnitude higher than that. Yeah. For what the Baron did that like, yeah, nobody would expect that kind of an right. overwhelming force, you know. I mean, they right. were ready for the Harkonnen force. Right. And they could have won if yeah. it weren't for, you know, if it weren't for how ridiculous the three it was. Battalions of yeah. Sardaukar showed up. Was it five? Five I battalions. I think I don't you know what? Don't Duncan estimated me. two and I thought that was low, but they I, think I thought more, they said I think three. It, I thought it was even more than that in the book, but whatever. Maybe. It doesn't. It doesn't but even it was matter. A lot. I mean, either way, and it was. I mean, designed so that nobody would survive because nobody could survive, because then they would say that the Sardaukar had shown up, and that would have mm. been, you know, a yeah, huge yeah. problem for the Lanthrop. Would be a huge problem. And actually, the kind of mentions that I think they never really talk about the politics of that in in the Lynch version. Um, but Liette's like, you know, part of the problem here is that let's say I do testify. And, and say, yes, the Emperor was involved. The Harkonnen, you know, um, colluded with the Emperor to take out another house. And this is what all of the other houses fear. Um, she's like, the, the problem is you, you're talking about anarchy. Mm-hmm. Like, now you're talking like what's about... Gonna, like, what's going to happen when that happens? Yeah. Um, but, so, I mean, you know, Yui has calculated the exact amount of, of sedative to put into um, everybody's drinks. <laughs> Which is, you know, I, I mean... He always had that ability, but like you really get the sense that he's drugging them now. Yeah, no, he did very specifically. He, you know, he's, he's planning on having them wake up at a very specific time later, which is in the book, but not in the Lynch version for sure. So Villeneuve like played that very subtly. I mean, that was another one of the. I mean, again, it's not really fan service. It's just another layer of of subtlety in it. 
mm. that he like everybody got pills that night. <laughs> yeah, you know? and and the the Duke did not take his, which is why he was roaming the halls. Yeah, would have been easier if he had just taken the pills and gone to bed like everybody else. Yep. Um, and Paul and Jessica basically wake up on the thopter. Right. And, and and they actually had the deaf guy this time, which yeah, made which I was sense really into was in the book, and it's like yes. He's there because they know she's a Bene Gesserit and they know that, you know, she's gagged, but also they have this deaf guy who is not going to be able to hear mm-hmm. when she tries to use it, which, you know, is another one of those things that I think he got really, really right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole scene I thought was done pretty well. And again, I mean, it's I kept waiting for the textual, like the actual quotes from, from the dialogue mm-hmm. in the book, um, but he didn't do it. He, he always would come close to it and then he would just, Play the scene mm-hmm. as like okay what are we trying to say here and right you would say that like can can i do it in action without dialogue yeah and when i do use the dialogue like i'm i'm not going to do it word for word from the book you know we're, we're going to either paraphrase it i mean unless it's important right but like you know he he got the he got what the scene meant without being a slave mm-hmm. to the dialogue yeah, book, yeah, 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 yeah. Which I thought was really good. So that scene played out really well because you know there's you his symbol, and actually that was very much like the Lynch scene in the in the Ornithopter, the, where they, yes. they see his symbol carved on the thing it's very because sim- it's like very well described in the book. It's a very utilitarian scene to describe a lot of things at once. Yui is a traitor, right? He has also helping them, right? And and that's important because I mean you need to know why. <clears throat> you know why what happens later happens mm-hmm. um and it's because he was the traitor so they have to know this so that later when Thufer thinks it's jessica they, and, and halleck thinks it's jessica they can be like no here's why whatever right i don't think that they're gonna do that whole like who's the traitor mm. maybe not but it doesn't really matter i mean like they they know that that yui has <laughs> like if he's prepared this still tent right. for them and they like that's the other thing like lynch sort of skipped over that whole part it's like they just sort of get still suits in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but in the book they don't i mean there's there's this all this other shit with idaho and kinds and and everything else that eventually yeah they there's like two important nights that happen both in this version and in the book where the first night is is jessica and paul and alone. they have a tent, but not still suits. Right. They're alone. And then the second, they meet up with Kynes. They kind of get the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. And they're attacked. And then that's what drives them into the desert to find Stilgar. Yeah. Um, but in the in the Lynch, they collapse those two events. So right. that it's like, you know, land the fucking chopper which is fine i don't fault him for that no I no just, I do I, like it that makes sense because the the problem with the lynch version is that you don't get to dwell on the duncan idaho death scene which is the i mean in this movie that's the climax of the movie is that escape emotionally and, yeah you know well i mean and then eventually you have the the fight with with james um but that doesn't but that's more matter like on the same almost, way you know I mean? yeah because the way he filmed this was very and again the parallel to jackson here is strong because he filmed it the way the books are written and didn't really try to tack on some sort of spectacular ending to the first part of a two-part thing like he just sort of you know like like the way the fellowship of the ring ends as a movie it's kind of 
long have I wished to <laughs> disappoint look you upon? because it's like there there they go. Well, I guess uh, we're not going with them to Mordor. Yeah, smell Let's you later. Go, um, maybe you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna triumphantly talk about how we're gonna go save our friends, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, and it's just it's as a movie. It's not that it's unsatisfying because, I mean, ultimately it leads into the next movie and you just put in disc two. Although, At the time it sucked because... I was going to say, I like, I remember, <laughs> uh, I think it was, it was Jeremy saying that like he went to see Lord of the Rings and there was this, you know, it was a, like a, an older black woman who was watching it and they get to the end and she's like, what? Like she was like yelling at the end of it she was like what the fuck is this nonsense like she was so mad because yeah, like because that's not how you end movies no that's not how you end movies she's like I, i've been robbed you know yeah, totally and i was like you know what i get it lady like if but, you I know mean, we were prepared for this by empire strikes back that movie ended really unsatisfactorily too no i know but i mean it, yeah it's definitely like or back to the future too it's <laughs> not a good movie. It's such a bad movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the movie I should have picked for my drink along. Maybe yeah. really watch Back to the Future too. Oh, you know what? I had a sort of bitchy thing to say about um, Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah. About how badly that ended? No, I mean, I could go on, but not here. <laughs> this is not the place. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to say... Like this is this been a running commentary where I've been saying that that this is much more Dune in every iteration is much more like high fantasy than mm-hmm. it is like science fiction. Yes. Um, that you know, there's there's obviously magic, politics, there's court <laughs> politics. There's a a feudal system. There's like all yeah. of these things are the earmarks of high fantasy. They are right. not necessarily the earmarks. And, I mean, it's even... It's like a hero's journey, too. You know? Yeah, right. And then also, I mean, I think that the the sort of, like... I think that there's a lot of eugenics in magic. You just don't recognize it as such. Right, like mudbloods? Yeah. Um, and so and, the, and so that part of it totally fits as well. Right. Um, so... I mean, I was joking when we watched it the second time at home that, like, Game of Thrones is in some ways like an AU fantasy or version of this because, like, you take uh, Leto is basically Ned Stark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, because I was like, well, they should have cast Sean Bean yes, for Leto. Yes, <laughs> they totally should have cast Sean he, Bean. Like, dies in the first, yes. first act. Yes. My captain. <laughs> my king. Um, there's a whole string of movies he died in right away, right? It's not I mean, like... just a couple. It's yeah. a lot. Anyway, so yeah, but like there's like, he's totally like Ned Stark. He's the same kind of like honor bound, naive as fuck mm-hmm. idiot who like walks into this unbelievable trap laid by his the enemies. answer. <laughs> yeah, like, and then he goes in there and then he gets, like, he's got, he's had his head separated from his body by the end of the first act. Yeah. And then his wife is kind of a stone-cold bitch, you know, because, like, kind of both Jessica and Catelyn are, like, unlikable, but also incredibly effective ladies. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, what were some of the other ones? Um. Anyway. But yeah, so that's my that's my sort of joke thing is that that Game of Thrones definitely has some like Dune AU 
aspects yeah. of it. Yeah, you I know? can see that. Um, yeah, and so that doesn't have anything to do with anything, but you're welcome for that little, like, headcanon. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's good headcanon. Yeah, I like it. Um... Oh, and I did I did think it was interesting. So, so like, Paul and Jessica have kind of a night alone, which is kind of their, like, dark moment of the soul when they right. realize that Lido is dead and... And Paul's kind of losing his shit a little bit. Well, because he's of like, reasons. the spice is affecting yeah. me, and you knew that this would happen, and right. you know, yeah, I'm a, a freak. It's a bad night. So then the next night, the next day, they end up um, kind of meeting up with Duncan and um, Leah yeah. Kynes. And so they are, um, I thought this was interesting. Like, Paul floats the possibility of marrying one of the... Um, emperor's daughters really early yeah and liet kind of laughs because it's like you're just a boy you know and it's like he is just a boy but the problem is he's seeing this sort of future right like he knows what's going to happen but he's also becoming vest you know i mean because that's the the big scene with that that it's it's great that he put this in is that um idaho shows up and just like in the book you know he he flies in and Paul knows it's him by the way he flies. Yeah. You know, and you're just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's that Bene Gesserit and the Mentat, like, coming out. Right. You know? and, and that's the one of those really subtle things that he knew how <laughs> Duncan flew, and so he wasn't worried that the Ornithopter was anybody but him, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I know your steps, old man. And so when he comes out, he's like, your dad's dead. And then Duncan is is like you know my lord duke and 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 you get that sense it's like oh shit that's right i'm i'm the captain now you know and like and duncan is immediately like i am your servant right you're not just a young master anymore like you're my duke he doesn't like prostrate himself but he comes close well he kneels down and like grabs his hand and yeah yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's 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 really it's really powerful and it makes you realize that it's like you know and this is what the book is really dealing with is paul is this squeaky 15 year old Mm -hmm. and like he's gotta grow up Mm -hmm. and and take on this mantle and it's been thrust on him like he gets the ring in the Mm -hmm. in the tent that that yui had put together for them and he puts it on and it's and, and you recall the conversation he had with his dad about how like maybe I want to be an artist, you know, or whatever. <laughs> right. Maybe I want to play what guitar. If as, what if I'm not good as a duke? Um but his dad's response was like, "We, you know, I came to it in my own way and and maybe you will too, you know." And this mm-hmm. is the way he comes to it is it's basically revenge for his father because Yeah, it's like, in this you know, horrific oh my God, my dad is dead. like annihilation mm. of of his entire house actually. Yeah, I mean, that was the Baron's point, was to, like, extinguish the bloodline completely, which I'm sure the Bene Gesserit were just like, oh, my God, could you not could you extinguish not? anything? Yeah, no. Like we've, we've been working at this for a while now. Right. Um, well, but... and that's and that's something Paul even says to Kynes, is he's like, you know what the great houses fear most? Exactly what fucking happened yeah, here. Yeah, being picked off one by one. Yeah, cause like, cause and and just like with a bunch of plausible deniability and bullshit, mm-hmm. just you know, you know, sending some soda car and eating your ass. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's I mean, bad. All you do is like exploit the rivalries between the houses that already exist. You know, and yeah. Then, and then what's left? A bunch of minor houses that are planet bound. You know, like right. What are they gonna do? 
nothing. Nothing. You know, and that's and that's really I think what Paul is getting at when he talks about like this this sort of political because once it comes out that like the emperor is used to Sardaukar, kind of the only way to fix that is to install Paul as the emperor politically because that seals that that political breach in a way that right. the Lensrad can get behind. Right. Because Paul was wronged and like now now that he's the emperor, it's like also it has the effect of being like, well, see, one of one of us could that could have been one of us. Right. You know, I mean, I mean they may in, even in, have in, designs right. on that, but Right. And in a normal universe that's what would have happened, but what ends up happening and he's like, I will crush you. This is what I'm doing and everybody's like, Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I, and you know, because again, like once they leave the, they were like imperial testing stations. Yeah, it was an imperial ecology. Yeah, like outpost. Some, yeah, I mean, it's, which was it, real, a more like brutalist concrete structure, <laughs> right? With coffee services yeah. that they spit into. Well, and that was actually kind of neat, like because you get this little fremen, like because they hide under the sand when the Sardaukar show up, and you you get a sense of like how much a part of the desert they are when they explode out of the sand and kill the Sardaukar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fuck, I can't remember what I, where I was going. Ecological testing station. Oh, they're in the ecological testing station. Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, they, uh, they sort of have some expository conversation with Kynes where it was like, this is what we could do, and Kynes is like, dude, I'm... You know what? I've seen nothing. Like, yeah, the emperor seen, has commanded me to I, see nothing. I don't see anything. Like this is like this is a sinecure. Like I don't see anything. Like I'm not. <laughs> well, it was more like not only are my hands tied, but I don't want to say anything. Right, because it. Was... I don't actually agree with you that this is the best course of action. Right. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, so um, at that point, we get a um, object lesson, and again. How fucking terrifying las guns are <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah because like and what a badass duncan is and i really i mean i feel like this is the first the absolute first iteration that allowed duncan to be the fucking badass he was well he was like marching through the halls of the, of the keep at arakeen just like killing right. people left and right and then he walks up to the helipad and he just sort of growls at everybody and they run off. Yeah, no. But I mean, but but scenes like that aren't in any of the other iterations. No, yeah, no. they aren't. And, and in fact, like, I mean, I can picture the face of the guy who was Duncan Idaho in Lynch's Dune, but he was such a minor character that it didn't even matter. And this movie was almost about Duncan. Yeah, they definitely, like, played his character up in a way that I really enjoyed. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, I mean, he deserves it. He's a badass, you know. I mean, yeah. he's he's actually really pivotal here. Oh, that <clears throat> he is that uh, the swordmaster of Ginaz or oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like Duncan is that guy in Game of Thrones. That yeah. was the other one <clears throat> in the AU fanfic. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then we get another object lesson in how fucking terrifying um, uh, Lasguns are. The other there, and there's like one more scene where there's a pretty solid difference is when like, you know, Kynes goes one way and Jessica and Paul go another. Right. Because Kynes sends them to the thopter, thopter. that has um, still suits. Right. And everything that they need, it's all ready to fly. 
Right. And they're and they're going to fly into this horrific storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like I think kind of the first big nexus point that Paul has to kind of live through. Yeah, and that was the one thing that I was a little bit disappointed with the the way that it was executed. Because in the book you really get a sense that you would need to be a prescient mentat to be able to navigate that storm successfully. And and they even talk about like you flew into the storm. There's no way that nobody has ever survived that. You can't survive it. 800 kilometers an hour or whatever. But he does by plotting out all of the paths of, of the possible, like the chaos mm-hmm. of the storm in his prescience and then floating, you know, using his Bene Gesserit like trained muscles mm-hmm. and his, you know, cause he is a, he is a very good pilot on his own and, and, and navigating that thing in a way that only he could. Um, but you don't really get the sense from this. I mean, and then, you know, Kynes just sort of, disappears off the other tunnel like right. oh no i'm a fremen uh, this the desert is my home and doesn't really say that i'm gonna ride a sandworm <laughs> right oh okay but so like in the book he does it's very similar he's like you go off and fuck mm-hmm. off and go fly in the storm i'm gonna go this way because like i'm the imperial ecologist they can't touch me right, right? It, which turns out jk the harkonnens can totally touch you and they're gonna go they they like tie him up and or like like fuck up his still suit and then they throw him on um a like a, a spice blow is what they call it there's like right. this kind of chemical biochemical reaction well that it's when, yeah it's when the the uh, sand, sand trout, trout release the water and when the water hits the pre-spice mass then it then it explodes, explodes and that's where you get spice from right so they they throw him out in the desert with his you know his Still sits fucked up, and he's lying there, kind of dying a little bit, um, and then he blows up. And so after having some really pedantic conversations uh, with his father, right, which may or may not have been where George Lucas got that stupid scene in Hoth with um, Luke <laughs> dying in the desert and having <laughs> go Obi-Wan to the Dagobah like, system. Dagobah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so th- that's how it plays out in the in the. Right. Is it? It's actually relatively unsatisfying and, and kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, I do like the like. Well, he used it as a way oh, of like, yeah, explaining the fine. ecology, the life right. cycle of, because it's like the because I mean he's this is why it's pedantic because this is like the the wailing monologue in the middle of Moby, Moby <laughs> Dick. You know, I mean he's he's talking about how there are sand plankton which turn into sand, sand trout, trout which, which then turn- encapsulate the water, which then has this big explosion with a pre spice mass, which then turns into, you know, then they somehow turn into worms and somehow. then question more mark, sand question plankton mark, and profit. then the worm eats sand plankton. The end. The end. Or yeah. something. It's like a it's perpetual really motion machine only with... He had it all worked out. He had it all worked out. Anyway, this version instead, Kynes, goes out into the desert. He's like, you know what? She. Now it's a she. Now it's a she. A little trans action. Trans action. <laughs> Change so, the pronouns. She goes out into the desert. She's like, I got my I got my maker hooks. I'm going to go jump myself on the Yeah, she like, has the thumper like all set. And you're like, the... oh my God, we're totally going to get to see somebody riding a sandworm. This yeah. is going to be great. Yay! Uh, JK, Sadokar show up and totally fight her. Oh, and it was the best too because she gets stabbed from behind all the way through and water comes out. Oh, yeah, because they breached the still suit. And, that, and, and it makes you realize that water is life. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. almost care about the water more. Although at the time I was like, you know, the best place to store your water is in your body, but whatever. Yeah. I, 
Yeah. I love that you're criticizing her while she's dying. Yeah. But I mean, it's like this water is coming out and you're like, oh my God, that's right. Is... Mm-hmm. This is this is your water. This is the water of this your body. This is bad. Yeah, like, you are like, gonna you're, die at you're this fucked, point. I mean, yeah. also you have a sword through you. Right, that too. But, but, I think that they've la- laid the groundwork enough to show that that the losing that kind of water, you get it. Yeah, you get that. That's super you are not going to survive. Um, but anyway, so she gets kind of attacked by them and she's kind of dying a little bit again, like the other one, only she starts like thumping, like a thumper. Yeah. With and, her hand. And with her hand. And then a, a huge worm shows up and eats the shit out of them. Yeah. I thought that was a great departure. I yeah. Thought it was really I did well too. Because it, it makes Kynes a hero. Yeah. And not just some sort and of like. Yeah. Patsy. It's such a Fremen response, too. Yeah. Like, it is... and Because I don't think that they necessarily showed in the book... You know, they say a lot of the times that Kynes is both a, a product of the Imperium. Yeah, two masters. Uh, he had two masters. And accepted in both and village. Right, and a Fremen. But I don't think that that actually is ever shown. I think you're yeah. told that and not shown that. And I think this... Well, I, I think that the last time we watched the, the Lynch version, I got the sense that he was a Fremen because there were a bunch of Fremen standing there and he makes hand gestures at them, which I thought was awesomely subtle. Like, And I never mm-hmm. picked it up before, which maybe it was a little too subtle, but he's he's in charge of those Fremen. Yeah. you know, And, and, and in this one, like at one point, Paula's like, who are you to the Fremen? And she's all coy. She's like, I'm accepted in Bosetian Village. Which I yeah. think is almost straight from the book, you know. It and is. And it's it like, is. You know, you don't get that she's basically the like the 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 titular figurehead of the Fremen. Like they're all united behind her vision. father's vision of this, yeah. you know, planet changing thing, um, which is you know kind of cool. It's it's one of those things. If you'd read the book, then this is just more layers in the movie that you get to see. Oh, and that that was a, something else I noted. Like when when they're at the Imperial, whatever station, um, with Kynes and Paul. Paul says to Kynes, like in the dream, you know, metaphor department. He says, "I've seen your dream." Right. In another way. In another yeah. way that dreams are plans for the future right right like dreams aren't just like these frowsy like maybe fairies will come or whatever dreams are no dreams are like we have a plan to bring about the quiz at tatarak right we have a plan to change the ecology of this world we have a plan to extract as much spice as we can out of here for the next 50 years to pay for all the you know (laughs) right right yeah (laughs) and and we have a plan to install fade raotha as the savior of these fremen so that we can do that and then maybe marry him off so that he can be the emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was another thing I noted earlier was, or you noted, I think, was, um, you know, so there's the whole Lisan Al-Gaib, the voice from the other world thing. There's all of this uh, uh, prophecy about... The messianic uh, Messianic prophecy. prophecy. And you pointed out that... Uh, you know, um, the Vladimir Harkonnen was planning to put Fade in the position that Paul ends up in. Yeah, because, I mean, there's no way he didn't know 
right. that this was going on anyway, that this wasn't part of their culture or whatever. Yeah. And he was going to exploit it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, I mean, so I guess maybe we should talk a little bit about how I feel kind of semi-disappointed again by this Baron. I don't know. I mean, I think he was just going a different direction. I feel like he got... The suspensors. So the suspensors are in his spine, mm-hmm. and that's what holds him up. So it's using his own structural, you know, his the, the structure of his body to, to do it. So they're implanted in his spine, and when he floats, he's he's got, like, at least in one of the scenes, he's got this extra, like, long tube, because he doesn't walk, so it doesn't matter to him if he's, you know, mm-hmm. can't see his legs. But when he comes up, he looks like a cobra, you know, because he's got this, like... This yeah. draped cloth coming that, that you know, his, his clothes actually are a long, um, you know, tube. Yeah. And it's it's really striking to just see him sort of swaying like a cobra. Right. Know. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think that there are aspects like of it that ridiculous. I like. He's not ridiculous. He's like Kingpin in Batman. He's just this really big guy. Right. Only Kingpin is actually strong, too. This guy is just, like, he's just big and sort of Yeah, and I I guess that's what I'm saying is that, like, I feel like, uh, you know, I've read the book, I don't know, a lot. And this was the first read where I was like, you know what? The Baron is really clever, and he's really, really good at what he does, and he really knows how to read people, and he really, like... Well, like what we were saying before, like, he's the product of... A generations long He's breeding program for the Quizats Hatterack. Eighty five percent Quizats Hatterack. Like, genetically know? speaking, he has got a leg up on everybody else. Yeah, no, I mean, like if you take the sort of givens of this universe, he is really fucking good at what he does. He can completely read the shit out of everybody. He's super good at turning people's like motives against themselves and all the rest of it. And like, I don't see that in this Baron. I mean, this Baron, this Baron is an image. This Yet, I mean, I I think that we need to wait for the for the sequel on this one only because sure. that we, we also haven't seen Fade Rauthi yet. No, you know, and I can't imagine which uh, rock star they're gonna cast. I'm hoping. <laughs> I hope it's Ed Sheeran. Oh God, you've got, no! You've got the ginger. No, no. Rock star. No, he's he's like <laughs> he's like doughy. Oh, totally doughy. I mean, God bless. <laughs> Speak, speaking of AU Game of Thrones, because wasn't he yeah, on he Game of totally, Thrones? <laughs> yeah, sitting around a campfire and pissed off the internet for some reason. Well, because it was super, super late. Although I do think it was adorable because they like totally brought him as as a gift for the girl who played uh, uh, what's the youngest Stark? Arya. Uh, yeah, that the actress totally hearted him oh. <laughs> and so That's they totally funny. brought him in as like jk yeah, I, I have no idea who they cast for it though i haven't been paying attention to the sequel yet but it's just you know it's fine no, i think but a lot of that fine. exposition will end up in the sequel and actually like villeneuve it said like kind of <laughs> in reaction to hearing that all of this this has been a blockbuster success mm-hmm. he's like well, the sequel is going to be like a more fun dune Oh, good. So, I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, because I, I think that that's actually a failure of a lot of science fiction is that it's just like kind of gets high on its own supply. Yeah, that's and true. And you got to have mean, like, like a little lighthearted shit. And, and I think that, that like, again, I mean, I think that the way he ended this one. So like 
they, they escape in the thopter mm-hmm. through the storm, mm-hmm. end up like making a very dangerous sand crossing to the sure. you know where the, these rocks where they end up finding Stilgar, right? Um, or Stilgar finds them. However you want to you know read that, um, and then you have the, you have the, the the actual scene play out where like Paul escapes. Jessica gets the best of Stilgar, like mm-hmm. f- like physically overpowers him, and um, and then you know that scene plays out where Paul, you know, beats up Janice and steals his gun, and then positions himself up in the rock, and they're like the whole scene plays out, and Stilgar is like, wait, I might have been too hasty, you know, maybe you are worth mm-hmm. something to us because you're a fighter, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you're you got the the weirding way, which. Okay, that's sure, fine. fine. But at least it's not some like you know, wah deep because that was really dumb, Lynch. Yeah, really dumb. That was a little painful. Um, but you know, I mean, the, the scene was actually really, really well played, except for the part where they didn't take their still suits off when Paul and, and Jameis fought. Yeah, <clears throat> I was disappointed by that. But I, I did think <clears throat> that they, the one of the things they got really well, I mean, again, did it with action and not dialogue. Is that Paul's fighting and he gets his blade right up on Jamis's neck and he says, "Do you yield?" And and this is in the book. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm sorry, you, you didn't. Obviously, you're not prescient enough you, to see. You didn't. You have to kill him. That, you didn't that's like the way read, read the box this before is a fight you. To the death. Yeah. And and Paul spends the next, you know, minute of the fight getting Jamis into these positions where he's he's <laughs> he could have just cut his throat, but he stops. Mm-hmm. He stops short. And, because that's how he's been trained. And, well, and also his mother's like, you know, he's never killed anyone before. And so yeah. he's stopping because he doesn't want to kill him. Yeah. You know, and then eventually he realizes, and Janice is just getting humiliated. It's really. And, and, it, and, it, and it works against him because he becomes less of a fighter. And, right. And it, and it gets he's getting to him more and more he's upset. Being humiliated by this scrawny little twig yeah. of a water fat outworlder. <laughs> you know, and, and like you don't really get that the import of that and i think villeneuve really drives it home yeah like he he is getting frustrated and upset and he he just yells and then eventually you know i mean paul kills him and then holds his hand and has this almost yeah tender moment with him where you're just sort of like Oof. <laughs> yeah well done i mean that was a it was and, and that's the the climactic scene of, of the movie because at that point they're like well okay you can both come with us you know, we'll yeah. walk with us blah, to blah, the blah, blah. siege tavern, and and then it'll be great. I I did it. I did note. I thought this was kind of because I mean, like Jameis in the book, and really in this fight scenes, like he's the antagonist. He's this hothead. He, mm-hmm. it, you know, I whatever. disagree with you, Stilgar. Right. And now I, that she's bested you, like, I'm and gonna, they, they made that like politically very clear, where it's like I'm gonna fight her because she bested you, and if I fight her and kill her, which I totally will. Then I'm yeah, in charge. charge, right? And you know, okay. So does she have a champion? Who's a champion? Oh, is it your son, the one okay. who just humiliated me by taking my pistol? I could take him. Yeah, sure. Sure. This is what I wanted in the first place, and yeah. it's like he just set it up. He didn't realize what he was getting himself into, but he right. set it up. Yeah, he did. But in Villeneuve, um, there, you know, there are a number of like Paul, like you know, having sort of precinct visions or mm-hmm. visions. And uh, there are a number of them with Jameis telling him, like, there's one that's clearly, like, right before he's about to ride a sandworm for the first time, which doesn't happen in this movie. Yeah. 
um, where he's like, this is how you do it. So they position Jameis like all through the movie as this teacher mm-hmm. of Paul, as this imparter of wisdom and, and experience. And then to have him. So that's how we've experienced him all through the film. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally experience him, he's this hothead who actually ultimately teaches Paul how to kill. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's I think beautifully that's, that's done. That's the line of the movie is like the, the, te- like the, the mouse yeah. Like you see it in the rocks and it's and it's got this little cocoon around it and you see that it's like got dew in it. It's the mouse has a still tent. This yeah. is where they've learned how to make still tents. Yeah. It's like you're taking all of these things from your environment and it's all like yeah, I mean like so having Jameis in that role is it really actually punches up Jameis, I think, a little more than he even was in the book. Absolutely. And I really love it. I really I mean, love I just, it. I love I'm it into because it. it's so it's so pivotal to Paul. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I really can't wait for the sequel. And I'm like, speaking of rewatchability, I think I'm going to watch <laughs> Dune again right now. Okay. <laughs> do, do we have anything more to say or are we at like high five? Yeah, high five. High five. <laughs>